Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh, we did it. Yes, we are back better than ever for season four of the Theory Club. Thank you so much for joining and for listening. Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back. Me too. I just, I have so much fun doing this show. And, you know, I'm glad that we kind of had the model of, uh, you know, we're going to take a break and we're going to have built-in breaks throughout the year because I do think it would be, you know, obviously somewhat unsustainable to try and do this every single week or to not have any breaks and, and things like that. Um, so I'm glad that we did it the way that we did it and chose to take the winter off. But I love doing the show and I love talking to Emily and I love talking about music. And, you know, when I'm not doing it, then I'm just forcing my opinions on my poor classmates and yelling in class <laughs> rather than yelling on this podcast so oh i've been i've been yelling in class too so we definitely have to talk about why we've both been yelling in oh. class. yelling in, in theory in particular we'll get into it um but yeah like you said i think the break has been really good definitely needed i just hope that the listeners are okay because as we know a day without theory is a day without love <laughs> i know they're suffering i'm sure oh. they're like oh my gosh it's finally friday they're finally back <laughs> yes listeners we're finally back for another eight episodes we are lining up our guests for this season we're really excited to talk about some great scholarships some great music we have a lot of ideas so uh we are getting it together and we're excited to edit it and bring it to you so thank you again for sticking with us through the break we hope uh at this point you have heard the bonus episode so we hope that you enjoyed the bonus episodes uh we had fun doing those and uh yeah i'm just so excited to get back into it you know obviously today you are turning tuning in for our second happy hour episode uh when we were brainstorming what to do we were like yeah we should just start off again with another like ah, let's just talk <laughs> those are always the best <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just like, you know, we just need to catch up and like, you know, I, I uh, know that Emily is busy. We're both pretty busy, so we don't have a ton of time to talk outside of the podcast. So this is a selfish request on my part. I just want to talk to Emily and you're going to have to listen to it. So um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about set theory today. Just oh, saying. there we go. There we go. The listeners <sighs> came for the proverbial tea and the literal tea because Emily is drinking tea like a responsible 19 year old, uh, whereas Lydia is drinking <laughs> some Merlot like a responsible 25 year old. So, <laughs> right. Well, in a couple months, I keep telling people I'm not going to be a teenager anymore. I'm going to be like old in my 20s. Oh, <laughs> no oh offense. <laughs> no offense. Put me in the grave today. She said old in my 20s. Oh my God. <laughs> Because I'm not on TikTok. This is because I'm still not on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok either. either. I don't want to be on TikTok. Wait, are you joking? Okay, wait. First of all, we need to open with this because the listeners, I'm sure it's a burning question in their minds. You would crush on TikTok. Are you joking? Like with all of your Instagram content, you would go viral on TikTok. I don't know why you're not on TikTok. That's surprising to me. I didn't know know that. I think the reels on Instagram are enough to satisfy my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Like otherwise... Yeah, I just, eh, there's too much drama stuff on TikTok. I mean, there is on Instagram too, but I can only handle one platform at a time. So. I mean, you do, I mean, you do a great job on Instagram and you have a lot of followers. So like, you know, uh, you're, you're living it up there. But yeah, I feel like if you had a TikTok, the, 
the girls would love you, I feel like. <laughs> Probably, but yeah, it, it's something to think about. Hmm. I'll just, for now, I'll set my tea and... Oh, there we go. Listeners, uh, and you mystery. know where to send your critiques, <laughs> listeners. The Theory Club Podcast at gmail.com. Let's get Emily on TikTok. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> um, I would consider it. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay. She's thinking about it. We're going to start the petition, uh, the GoFundMe <laughs> for Emily's TikTok. So, <laughs> uh, first things first, uh, how has your semester been going? We are, uh, as we're recording this, we're recording this in late February. Uh, and again, this isn't going to drop until april so right now we are in the thick of the semester my semester started pretty early on january 5th i know that y'all started after uh martin luther king jr day uh and mm-hmm. uh so since we started so early next week is our spring break we have like a mad early spring break <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're already um kind of halfway through the semester but how is your semester going yeah well actually our spring break is not next week but it's the week after so i don't know if we've talked about how it was last semester but our winter not our winter break our thanksgiving break was two weeks before winter break so we went like all those weeks and then we had a tiny break and then we finished out but this time right after midterms we get our spring break which i personally like a lot better um <laughs> yes you definitely yeah, but need you wanna... a week or a mid-semester break because we had a fall break it wasn't a whole week but in like late mm. october we had like a monday and tuesday off and that was very nice so yeah 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 that seems nice yeah but um i mean i guess to start off it'd be most easiest to kind of start with what classes um that we're doing which oh, i just gotta pull them up because i just i don't even <laughs> Hold on. It's truly so, I can't even, I feel like my undergrad is one five-year blur. It was so busy, I can't even remember. So yeah, what what is everything that you're taking? Well, um, it starts with percussion techniques, um, which is nice. It's my 8 a.m., so I get to bang on drums in the morning. Oh, 8 a.m. Therapy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, so percussion um, I'm in theory four, which is basically like atonal theory, um, and piano three. Um, I have two studio classes. So Monday nights I have, um, my primary teacher studio class. And then Tuesday nights I have like my technique teacher studio classes. Um, I have two violin lessons, two teachers, so two lessons. I'm in Western history, Western music history one so we're talking about medieval history right medieval music history right now which i'm like in love with with medieval music i don't know why it's very strange dr Carey thinks i'm weird too um <laughs> but i really like it um and then i'm taking um it's called artle it's like an arts education course um about like community organizations um orchestra first semester in orchestra um music ed lab i took that last semester but it oh continues god. into this semester i don't know how you're still going oh my god okay <laughs> then, wait i think there's just one more yeah yeah and then um string performance class which is on my fridays oh my gosh okay <laughs> ah. plus uh hold on one two three four five six seven eight students some are online some are in person oh my uh, <laughs> goodness everybody take a sip of whatever you're drinking (laughs) 
because I need a moment. So, wow. Okay, so let's break this down. First, of course, we have to talk about theory. You are in theory four, the last semester. Emily's face just got... (laughs) (laughs) I have so much tea about this class. You don't even know. (laughs) (sighs) I've been, like, waiting to talk about this. (laughs) This is my moment right now. Great, (laughs) yes. Okay, so as the listeners probably know... I have had Dr. Hussey, who was our guest on season one, um, for all three semesters of, like, tonal theory. Mm-hmm. Great teacher. And then this semester, yeah, and then this semester I um, got a new professor because we just have a couple different theory professors at our school. So now I'm with a different professor and we're doing atonal theory, which is, like, a whole other can of worms. Mm-hmm. If you don't already know, uh, it's, like, basically mathematical theory, which mm-hmm. sounds really cool, but if you're bad at math, it's bad. And... <laughs> I okay my professor I don't think he listens to the podcast but even if he does listen to it I don't think he'd be surprised about everything that I'm about to say oh man but he basically his method of teaching is extremely different than my previous professor my previous one would like repeat things whenever we were doing he would repeat important concepts like multiple times and he would back me up by saying that this professor says it once and that's it (laughs) Um, which is kind of a struggle when basically I've been having, um, issues of zoning out. It's always been an issue. Um, I've noticed it more over the past couple years. Um, but especially if you have a professor that only says things once and you're doing a whole lot, like in a course, it's extremely hard to grasp all the stuff that's being thrown at you. Um, there's a possibility I might have ADD, but... We don't know for sure. I'm going to be getting tested for it soon just to check. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's extremely challenging. And my professor is, like, constantly yelling when he teaches. (laughs) And have we talked about this before, Lydia? I feel like we've talked about it before. A little bit, yes. Okay. So, like, I mean, I don't know. It can be – I mean, we're doing atonal theory, but the only thing I can think of is, like, a tonal thing. So, basically – cover your ears listeners like this is just his normal voice okay and so then we take the five chord and the five chord always goes to the one chord and that's the five to one cadence and he's like constantly yelling. that is just how he teaches and literally I was like I felt like I was being yelled at for an hour straight and it mm. took forever to adjust to we we're in mm. week six and it took so long to adjust from like you know Dr. Hussey's like voice nice and calm to like constant yelling (laughs) which is interesting pedagogy I'm trying to like sort it out and figure it out and we've had you know moments where like I ask a question during class and it's like it turns into a debate and then he starts yelling louder and then I start yelling louder and like that's just how the class works (laughs) interesting Wow. Okay, so what's interesting about this is the first thing that comes to mind is when I was in my music theory pedagogy class last semester, my professor of that class, who may or may not be a guest that's coming on the podcast, no spoilies, but um, (laughs) uh, that professor, she kind of uh, told anecdotes of of times when she was teaching you know, very early classes right at 8 or 8.30 in the morning and she's teaching theory one or whatever and she has a class, you know, 
all your classes are very different, right? You might have be teaching two sections of the same class, but one class is really engaged and the other class is really not into it, right? And so she kind of could mm-hmm. perceive that during uh, teaching sections where her students were really disengaged or had a really or were having a difficult time with the concepts or you could tell were really bored or were zoning out or were really tired, right? If it's really early in the morning or if it's really later on in the day, like if you're teaching like a theory class at like 5 p.m., right? No one wants to be there. They were just in orchestra for, th- for three hours, right? So um, she would find herself kind of yelling right and talking really animated and like using her hands a lot moving around the room a lot that that she almost felt like a caricature of what she normally sounds like but she was trying to like get the students engaged that she almost felt like she was like performing like it was like theater or something right that she was trying to keep them engaged um you know trying to get them to answer questions or to ask questions things like that so i wonder if that's a part of his approach that he maybe knows that theory for most music students, especially at a conservatory where a lot of the students are there for performance, uh, might not immediately see the relevance of theory. And he feels like he has to kind of shout it into you, you know, force it (laughs) like he's trying to, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's funny because this isn't an age thing. I know that because I, (laughs) I know an adult who is in her 40, like early 40s, I believe. And she had him as a professor, you know, like a long time ago. And he, that, yeah, same thing. He just yelled. (laughs) That's just like how it goes. And it took forever to adjust to, like when you have one method. And then now we're starting not only totally new theory content with like atonal stuff and like Mm -hmm. getting into like set theory, but a completely different professor is like Mm -hmm. so hard to adjust to. It's been like a really big struggle for a lot of people in class. Mm, Yeah, no, I can totally. And I mean, I've talked about my theory experience on the podcast before that I had such a great professor and that I feel incredibly privileged to have had him for all four semesters. Um, he obviously was attuned to himself and his own curriculum and didn't have to, cause when you're at a, a really large school, like the university of Michigan has 12 theory professors, right? 12 right it's a huge school because they because they accept so many students uh, a year um with so many different majors right we had we have a lot of different majors you can major in theory you can major in performance you can major in education like so many different backgrounds and people coming to michigan for different reasons but you know we have um so many people on the faculty and because we have so many students we have to have multiple different sections of theory right and so the again the graduate students are are the ones that handle all of the oral skill stuff uh which again if i was a student here i would find that probably pretty disorienting to have all four are because you have separate oral skills and written skills classes i know that at roosevelt they're kind of combined into one class um but mm-hmm. here you have you could very likely have eight different teachers, meaning you have four different teachers for four sections of oral skills and four different teachers for four sections of written skills. And those could all be radically different experiences. And so it's like, that sounds incredibly disorienting, right? Like, just like, oh, no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's hard to make connections 
you know, between the different levels. And people argue, oh, then you get, like, experience with different teachers and different ideas and different pedagogies. But, like, if it's going to come at the expense of understanding the material to the best of your ability, is it mm-hmm. really worth it? Because, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I mean, we have to be honest about it. I mean, I, I, again, not to bash anybody on the theory faculty or anything like that, but especially for, for grad students that are developing their pedagogical tools and skills, you might not get the best grad student <laughs> teaching your... RL3 and then if you screw up your RL3 then like you're gonna struggle in RL4 like it's just like and Mm -hmm. again different teachers like you said have different pedagogical methods that work with some people better than others and and uh, I will say the RL skills department is um, all using the same textbook all on the same curriculum they have like the grad students have regular meetings to like kind of make sure that everybody is in similar places like at points in the semester that everybody has moved on to learning this concept at this week in the semester we don't got that for the written skills classes the professors (laughs) just do what they want and they don't talk to each other about what they're doing so they literally have full domain over their written two or their written their written course that's theory two and they don't have to communicate with the person that's doing written written skills three to ask, hey, so here's where we're at. By the end of the semester, my students got here. What are you planning to, are you going to pick up where I left off? There's none of that. <laughs> so it's just kind mm-hmm. of like a free-for-all in the written department and then the RL skills. And so it's just, it sounds pretty complicated. So, you know, I, I, I feel incredibly lucky and fortunate that my experience felt really coherent. Um, but, okay, but let's talk just a little bit about the content of theory four do you think it's interesting do you really like it i find it to be kind of polarizing that people either really think it's really interesting or really like i don't understand the point of this <laughs> is it too is it too deep is it too <laughs> theoretical like did we get too meta <laughs> okay i want to love it i really do <laughs> i like i honestly i was so excited when i just heard the terms and stuff i'm like this seems cool this is different like I, I like different, like, theoretical things. Like, when I took Shanker last semester, I really liked that. It was something super different um, and really engaging. Um, but when I'm just barely grasping the material, like, last minute, and, like, even um, – I'll use oral skills as an example. It's the same for written, though. Like, we have done two melodic dictations this unit, and we have exams next week but we've only done two dictations <laughs> of like, you know, the new way that we're doing it. That's how it is. So like we barely get practice and we can't practice it on our own. There's nowhere else to practice it. Cause he just doesn't use like online platforms. So <gasps> wait, y'all aren't using Aurelia or. Oh, okay. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in using that. <laughs> so yeah, that was another he big change. He doesn't believe in. Oh my. Yeah. I'm not know. agnostic. Oh my God. <laughs> I've, I've asked, like, I literally asked him, I'm like, I want to practice this. And every time I ask, he's like, then practice singing. And I was like, that's totally like, different. Singing, like, right, right. Like, are you, are y'all using a textbook? No, but he did give us, um, like a sheet of like the, uh, tetrachords and hexachords and stuff like that so we're practicing singing those and like different gestures um but like and he's right you know singing can help but to a certain extent because when you do a dictation it's totally different that's Um, true so that's true it really sucks because i love the practice you know like i like doing like oral skills daily and i can't really do that now um and yeah it's the same for written skills so they're basically to answer the question is 
if I took this class again, I would probably really like it. But right now I'm barely managing the material, so it's hard to thoroughly apply and like understand fully to be able to actually love it. But I'm not dismissing it completely. I do think so far of what I know, it could be something great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is okay. Yeah. I I completely agree. Again, your your experience with a particular professor definitely can make or break how you feel about the subject. Um and yeah, I mean I have I have full confidence obviously that you will pass and that you will you know, grasp the material by the end. Um, I'm yeah. sorry you've had a rocky inter- start, but right, yeah, it's an interesting thing though because um, I've said and I've said it to my professor too because I, I knew him before. I actually had him as a teacher. Like, I I don't care for his teaching style. Like, I don't really care for him as a teacher, but as a person, I think he's really cool and like great to talk to and stuff. Um, like when I, oh God, the story, I don't know if I told you this, when I did my very first, um, yeah, this was my first singing exam for this semester. Um, you know, I practiced, we get a little bit of time to practice it. So I have like five minutes to practice, like making sure I know it before I do the official sight singing. And I sing it all the way through two times. Absolutely. Like no problems. And then I just asked him, I was like, can I just do it now? And I still had extra time. And he was like, sure, if you want to. And so I did. When I did it in the moment, I um, I missed like two of the raws, like they were a little out of tune. Um, and he just, he was just like, oh, okay, well, you sang it perfectly the other two times, but when you did it this time, like it was wrong. So you get a 92. And I was like, what? And I'm like, wait, you just heard me do it right the first two times. And so he starts singing. I forgot what the notes were. He does the do, 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 do. They're doing pressure, you know that song under pressure. Yes. Oh, we love Pete on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he just starts singing it, and like I'm, I was just looking at him. I'm like, okay. He's like, you gotta learn to sing under pressure, and he gave me a 92. So in one way, I'm sad, wow. <laughs> but another way, like I love his character. Like that. Wow. Was fun. So <laughs> mm, justice for Emily, honestly, <clears throat> is the hashtag for this episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah okay well you know I know that you'll get into the swing of things I'm sure even as you're saying like oh you know I'm struggling I got a 92 I'm like mm, you sound like me <laughs> when I was you know because the hard one actually wasn't theory four it was theory three for me that's the one that I got the lowest grade in which oh. I think probably was around a 90 <laughs> and I remember being like oh a 90 like get me to the fainting couch and all my friends were like shut up don't talk to me <laughs> um so you sound like a young me um which I love uh yeah but you know I'm sure you'll get the hang of it have you heard any cool pieces in the class or any cool composers that you didn't know about um not any new composers yet we've mostly done like Stravinsky and Bartok and stuff um the weird thing about me is like yes we have heard some really interesting pieces and things that well Rite of Spring is one that I really love um but we've heard other really interesting pieces and I just cannot put titles to music so like I can like I think of them but like I cannot name the title off my head but yeah some have been really interesting that I enjoy and others have just been very strange so <laughs> again I have yeah. such a I have such a, a fascination with modernist and postmodernist music and I remember my theory four class we had this listening exam 
uh, that we never practiced once. It was just like on the first day of class when we got the syllabus, my professor was like, and here's the listening list. And at the end of the semester, you're going to have an exam on these 25 pieces that you have to listen to and you have to be able to identify the name of the piece, the composer, and the year it was written. <laughs> and you will be tested on it at the end of class. So of course we all forgot about it and procrastinated. And then the week before we were listening to all this like Penderecki and George Crumb and John Cage and <laughs> you know, all this mm. music. But there was such cool sounds and modalities and extended techniques like extended piano techniques and voice techniques that I had never heard that I thought were so interesting like it was just it was a really <laughs> eye-opening experience and even though that's not the music that I've really chosen to study I mean it remains to be seen because that music still really fascinates me it intimidates me it excites me it's strange to me like I just have all these feelings around modernist and postmodernist music because it was the first time that I was being encountered with like the moral question of like is this music because I had a lot of people around me and a lot of singers around me we've talked about this on the podcast a lot of singers around me that were like this music isn't real music what are we listening to like this doesn't and I had this defensive moment of like I don't even know this music I'm not ever gonna sing this music probably or study this music but you need to shut up because this music is really fascinating. <laughs> and so I felt That's this weird funny, like, defense yeah. of this music, even though, again, I don't really have any personal ties to it. I don't study this music. Um, but that was the first time that I had been confronted with that moral question of like, who gets to decide what is music and what is not? And if you are trying to make an authoritative claim about this is definitely music, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know that any of us have access to that and the people who feel emboldened to talk about what's music and what's not mm, overwhelmingly male that's not a coincidence overwhelmingly white that's not a coincidence like okay of course it makes sense that you sir would feel entitled to say this is a real music i don't want to talk to you get out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember you telling me that before about like um your theory for like experience and that's funny because for me like in our class no one has said or like made any slight comment like that everyone seems really interested in it which yeah, is good I mean, like it shows like i guess the difference we just live in a really music normative like tonal normative world like we listen to tonal mm -hmm. music on the daily all of our popular music that we consume is normally tonal right with moments of chromaticism but in general right atonal music atonal sounds and modalities it's not something that we're exposed to a lot and it's not something again we we also talked about this that since you play violin and i am a singer like all like a lot of the music that we play on the daily right is tonal music we don't encounter a lot of a tonal repertoire for our particular instrument so it makes sense that we would be living in this tonal bubble that people on the fringes of music that play less popular instruments perhaps are dipping their toes into a bit more so that was just my first time of being like wait i didn't even know this music existed are you joking this is really interesting and then to have it immediately met with like well that doesn't count right that's not real and i was like oh okay <laughs> I will say that I do enjoy analyzing, eh, I guess playing, I don't, I don't mind if I'm playing something tonal or atonal, but analyzing, I like analyzing tonal music way better. <laughs> like right now, I just, uh, I, I, I get that. It. it makes sense and it feels comfortable for me too. And I think that analyzing atonal music is really intimidating to me. 
but I'm not going to say I don't like it. Mm. I just think that I have like a, I don't know. I have a healthy fear of it. Maybe I don't get, <laughs> I don't do it often, but like when I do, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, Ooh, this is, this is thrilling. Like, Ooh, <laughs> me. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I have all these weird, like, unresolved feelings about atonal music that perhaps I'll have to explore at a later point but um, for now I'm firmly rooted in tonal American music but we'll see we'll see perhaps Anna will convert me to modernist music classes that you want to talk about is there any other class that you're like really enjoying um probably honestly the medieval um, music history which we're just about finishing that up uh, next week's like our last week and then we're going into like the renaissance period but like why something about medieval music like just (laughs) it gets me like so excited i don't know why i really really love it and like I would just listen to that on my free time all the time. Like, that's just... That's great! Okay, yes, let's talk about this, because so medieval music is not particularly my jam. I have unfortunately been Mm -hmm. told by a few coaches that I would be really good at singing Baroque music, and I just don't love (laughs) medieval or Baroque (laughs) music, which is unfortunate, because people are like, wow, you have such a light, like, pretty voice, you know, such a beautiful lyric voice, and you know you do ornaments well or straight tone really well so you should really look at baroque music and i'm like "Mm, but it's not but we were just talking about me and my teacher like my recital today um because i'm doing a recital this semester mark Ooh, can i announce this on the podcast mark your calendars april 24th (laughs) it will probably be live streamed listeners If you want to tune in, literally two months away from the day today. So if you want to tune in, there will probably be a live stream. Uh, I might I might keep this in. I might keep this in. Listeners, tune into my recital if you want. Um, but, you know, we were just talking about this Handel aria that I'm singing from Julius Caesar and how I don't even really like this aria. I've been singing it for years because people are like, this is the perfect aria for you and you sound so great on it. But I don't really like Handel. <laughs> But, like, I keep singing it because I'm supposed to. But I, and because, you know, for competitions and for things like that, you need, you know, a lot of times you need stuff from the different Mm -hmm. eras. So it's like, okay, this is my Baroque aria, but I just don't really like Baroque music. And if I could just kind of sing 20th century on and make that my career, singing like 20th century art song, I that's what I'd want to do um so you know I don't hate it but it's not my favorite and um but Mm -hmm. it's 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 great that you're having a great time in this class and I will say about Dr. Care I just think that he makes everything interesting because he's such a great educator again I I mentioned our bonus episode uh that style and lit class when I was not yet you know academically woke and not yet like ooh, I want to be an academic but I look back on that syllabus and I'm like this was brilliant I didn't appreciate it in the moment but like this is such a great syllabus and I took I ironically I just talked about how I don't personally love singing Handel I took his Messiah course last year that's right listeners he taught an entire semester-long course on Handel's Messiah 
And it actually wasn't as boring as it sounds. It was interesting. So this man is an educator. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. No, he, he's definitely really great. And it's really sad because I realized, you know, we have four histories that we have to take. And I had him last semester and I'm having him this semester. And I think for the other two, I won't have him because then we have someone else that teaches the other two. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of sad. There's another example of switching professors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be someone I like. But yeah, no, I really do like his teaching. I think he he makes it interesting, but like he doesn't yell, you know, when he teaches. He speaks in a normal tone. But he has like these pitch fluctuations, you know, that like make it like exciting and like stuff like this. And like that draws me in. I like that. He does have a large so. speaking range. So that's true. He has a he has a yeah, wide yeah. he has a wide speaking range. Um, but yeah, shout out to Dr. Care. Dr. Care, if you're listening, get back on the pod. Get on here. So he we can he talk. will be on the pod. He oh, he said he would join. Oh, that's right. I got to email him. Yeah. Dr. Care. All right, listeners, stay tuned for <laughs> Dr. Care when he gets on the pod. It's going to be so exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any Anything else? Any other classes that you want to get to? Or I could talk about a few of mine. Yeah, um, I will just say too, um, this was my first semester of actual orchestra in person. Because um, if you don't know, um, I did part of the online orchestra at the start of the pandemic my very first semester, freshman year, but then I was injured, obviously recovering from surgery then the rest of the year, and then still recovering a little bit um, last semester. And now I'm in it. And it is demanding because <laughs> when you put in orchestra rehearsals, like my Tuesdays, I use that as the example. Um, let's see, Tuesday, it starts off with a lesson at 8.15, then I go right into theory, then I go right into history, then I go right into artle, then I go right into orchestra. Orchestra lets out at 4.45, so I have a little break until 6.30 where we have studio class, 6.30 to 9. Oh my god. <sighs> God. It's fun. <laughs> and then and then when do we do homework and when do we practice and when do we eat? Like it's <laughs> Oh my god, you couldn't you pay me to be young again. You couldn't offer me <laughs> any money to go back to being nineteen. Oh my lord. <laughs> so many and that's the thing about music classes is all of them are like one credit and it's like to like mm-hmm. be full time you have to take like eight class like it's just like but this class meets like eight hours a week, but it's one credit like what? <laughs> Exactly. And some are zero credit hours, too. Oh, my and God. And it's like, <laughs> we still got to meet. There's still the attendance policy. It's like, how does that even work? Literally, what's happening? <laughs> what am I paying for? Oh, that's <laughs> stressful. But yeah, okay. But yeah, you're in, so. you're enjoying orchestra? What are y'all playing? Um, Actually, right now is our break. So okay. we did four weeks of intense rehearsal and concert. Because um, we rehearse uh, five days a week, two and a half hour rehearsals. Mm. So we finished that. And starting the next cycle, which is the week after spring break, we are doing Shostakovich. Oh, my God. There we go. <laughs> Symphony number no. 9, which I have not played before, hmm. um, but I've listened to it, and it sounds really cool. Um, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, we know we're doing Shostakovich, and we're doing – I know we're doing Mahler. I can't remember if that's for this cycle or the cycle after. Oh, yeah. love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Great. Any anything else in your classes? Um, I mean, it's pretty much the gist. How about your classes? Any screaming professors? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. Uh, so this semester I am taking 
uh, four classes plus lessons. Um, and that was just kind of to leave plenty of room for the lessons for my recital. And I just recently wrapped up an opera. So I was in um, Opera Moto's production of The Magic Flute and I was playing Papagena. And uh, as we're recording this, the shows were just last weekend. Uh, so, of course, we had a lot of rehearsals and things leading up to that. Uh, and that took place in Detroit. So all the rehearsals were in Detroit. It is uh, about a 45-minute drive from Detroit to Ann Arbor. So I was doing a lot of carpooling um, to Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. between Ann Arbor and Detroit um, for the rehearsals. And then, of course, you have Tech Week and then the show. So it was... Uh, and we that all fit in like six weeks basically uh or maybe less than that yeah because oh, we started rehearsing or we started rehearsing uh january 15th and the shows were february 18th and 19th uh so that's like a month <laughs> where we just mm -hmm. threw this show together in like a month but it was so fun we did like a um uh an updated version of the show that was in inspired by 80s video game characters uh so it was a super fun production of the show where everybody got to kind of like emulate a video game character um instead of like just playing straight their regular roles it was it was so fun and everybody in the production is so talented uh so opera moto is a really great company i had a really fun time working with them um now that it's over whew, oh my gosh i can sleep again <laughs> and um yeah, this semester I am taking uh, a second semester of Shinkirian analysis. Fun stuff. So bitter about that. Oh, I'm I supposed to not be talking to you. Because oh, of that. Emily, yeah. If if you could only switch with me, I would love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, but the, you know I have a great professor for that, um, and uh, it's always been pretty difficult for me to wrap my head around. Uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying the second semester. We're doing a lot more readings about Shanker and reading his writings translated. So there's a lot more reading this semester and a lot less analysis. Uh, but that makes for a lot more discussion, which I think has been pretty interesting. Um, so we're still doing analysis. We kind of, it meets twice a week. So we have kind of like a day of analysis and then a day of like discussing readings and um, having discussions about Shanker and the field in general and stuff like that. So that's been a, that's been a pretty engaging class. Um, I'm taking a, uh, seminar on the intersection of performance and analysis which has been great oh, yeah. loving all those readings <laughs> uh just getting to read a lot of like Suzanne Cusick who uh we've talked about on the show Susan McClary Ellie Hasama um just a lot of like big big names in the field of of music theory and musicology um and uh you know, like this week we're talking about timbre. We had a week on gender and sexuality. We had a week on race in performance. We had a, a week on disability, reading more Joseph Strauss. So um, just a lot of really, really great scholarship on what it means to perform. What constitutes a performance? Like when does everyday living turn into a performance? What does it mean to analyze performance? Is Like what does it mean to bring embodiment into analysis since we inherently associate the body and embodiment with performance but we've kind of divorced it in the academic study of music uh, because we've made it all about prioritizing the mind and the virtuosity of the mind uh, versus involving what it actually feels like to perform and what it feels like to analyze music so just a lot of questions on um, the nature of 
of performance in relation to how we study performance, how we perceive performance. Uh, so that's been super interesting, and I love all those readings. Great professor. Uh, what else am I taking? I'm taking probably one like the hardest class that I'm taking this semester, and one of the hardest classes I've ever taken is and so i'm taking an african american history course and it's actually or sorry not african american it's actually an african history course so it's uh on the history of women and gender in africa now this course so interesting so much to learn i know absolutely nothing about this topic (laughs) and so that is why it has been really difficult is that I'm encountering all this scholarship for the first time, a lot of terminology for the first time, a lot of ideologies and methodologies for the first time. I'm not a historian. I don't know anything about history. I, despite being a first generation American, right? My parents are from Sierra Leone. I don't know a lot about African history as a whole. I I have a lot, you know, I have a strong Sierra Leonean identity and I know Uh, my fair share about Sierra Leonean history, but that does not apply to Africa at large. And again, I don't deal with African thought, right? So knowing about Sierra Leonean history is different from being a historian or different from being um, a scholar in gender or sexuality, right? So those are things that I know nothing about. Uh, And so the whole class has been a really really huge learning experience basically just one of those classes where you're like whoa there's so much that i don't know (laughs) i thought that this was going to be like a cute fun i'm you know getting an african-american studies certificate and um a diaspora studies certificate so i was like you know this will count towards my certificate and the first week i was like oh no i know nothing about this i've never engaged in this literature i don't know any of the names in this field i don't you know like so i'm encountering so many things for the first time and i think that you know i went to my professor to kind of figure out what i'm going to try and write my final paper on and i was just like i don't know like i also don't know anything about african music i don't study african music Mm -hmm. i'm not in like i don't do ethnomusicology so I don't know anything about this history or this music um, or ways of thought in Africa. So I, um, Mm -hmm. we were talking about, she was like, you know, you could study this South African singer, this West African singer, analyze, you know, their, and again, going back to that performance seminar I'm taking, how do they perform their gender in their music, right? How do they perform feminism in their music? So yeah, when I was in her office and talking to her about, you know, I just read, uh, or I'm reading right now, Susan McClary's Feminine Endings. Uh, and, you know, it's a book on feminist music theory, about embodiment in music theory, about just like reintroducing aspects of gender, aspects of the body back into analysis. And I was like, yeah, like she uses all these really interesting feminist methodologies and applies them to music and da da da. So like perhaps I could, you know, bring in some of those concepts into my paper. And in the middle of me talking, I was like, Lydia, no, you can't use this book that is based in a Western ideology and understanding of music and apply it to African music. Big colonizer vibes, right? No, mm. <laughs> you actually can't do right. that. Literally, so I literally caught myself in the middle of saying, and I was like, wait, actually, no, that's not going to work, right? Because I'm not then viewing 
African music on its own merits with its own scholarship and identity outside of a Western ideology and perception of music. So, like, I don't know anything about African music, so I have to read about African music. I don't know anything about African feminism, right? Like, African-American black feminism only works in the West. It only works in our context. It doesn't actually translate to Africa, right? They have a very, very different conceptualization of race and of feminism over there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have to read about African feminism because I can't apply black feminism or womanism to the African context because it wasn't born out of that context. So, I have a lot mm-hmm. of reading to do. I'm stressed. Like, I just don't know anything <laughs> about this topic. Yeah, this I is, like, a really lot of reading. Yeah, so... <laughs> I just feel really out of my element and it's, you know, I, I just kind of didn't realize when I was signing up for this that, yeah, this is so different from anything that I've ever taken or any of the questions that I've ever asked about music, about musics that I have never listened to and never considered and never analyzed. And I wouldn't even know the first place to start. So it's just kind of like, you know, I I don't think that I'm in danger of failing this class. I'm engaging with the readings. I'm coming to class. Like, I'm, I'm definitely most there to listen, especially to the people that are historians in the class or that are, you know, their majors are African studies or whatever, right? Because they have the actual expertise to speak on the literature that we're engaging in. So I'm mostly just there to listen. I don't want to insert myself into a conversation that I know nothing about, right? But I have to somehow scrape together a 15-page paper. (laughs) And I have nothing to say. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm just kind of like, ooh, okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, mean, for being four classes, I mean, they still seem like they're quite busy and intense, so... It's probably like equal to yeah. One oh, class is probably equal to two of mine. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, you just have no time to like eat or sleep, which is very stressful to me. At least I'm sleeping. True. I Lydia sleeps. Get that on the record. So, um, I also forgot my my last other class is um an everyday musicology class. It's really interesting. It's on like basically music that we listen to every day, music that we're bombarded with every day. So it has, it talks a lot about, especially in the beginning of the class, we talked a lot about like music and consent, like the music that you don't consent to listening to music when you go into a store, music when you're watching TV, music, so music that's like forced upon you, kind of like the psychological um, effects that that has on you, um, music that you choose oh, wow. to music that you choose to listen to, and why music as like an everyday mood regulator, music as something that brings people together or that tears people apart, like all the everyday kind of ways that music functions. Um, so that's been a really cool class with a lot of really interesting readings um, and a great professor. So I I do really like all my classes this semester. Um, just a lot of reading, like normal. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. that makes me feel bad for complaining about our history readings. I'd always complain to Dr. Care about how long he picks, he picks long readings. Dr. Care, I know you're True. listening. You pick long readings. Oh, <laughs> he knows. I tell them all the time. These people are undergraduates, okay? Give, you know, they don't have time to read. <laughs> so, um, but, but I do love his classes. <laughs> he is great. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, yeah. Other than that, like it's gonna it's gonna be fine. I just have a lot of reading to do, a lot of learning to do. I'm not gonna get an A in this African history course, but I'm gonna do my best, and I'm and I'm one thousand percent learning. So that's the point. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for coming back for this season of The Theory Club. We're so glad to be back. We're glad to have started with our normal kind of casual chat. And we're so excited for the guests that are going to be coming on this season and for all the great music and scholarship that we're going to be talking about. Uh, If you have any thoughts and opinions on our thoughts and you want to get on on the conversation, you want to be a guest yourself, again, you can always send us an email at thetheoryclubpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you want to be involved. We want to listen to your music. We want to read your work. We want to engage with you. So definitely send us an email. Reach out to us. Make sure you follow the Instagram. at the theory club underscore podcast so that you can see all of our cute pictures emily puts a lot of work into that instagram it's very great it's very cute okay we look nice so make sure you follow (laughs) us uh and engage with us there other than that thank you so much for listening we're excited to be back for our fourth season and uh, we hope you have a great friday a great rest of your weekend we're gonna see you next friday all right have a great one bye All right, bye. Love Susan McClare. Susan McClare, if you ever listen to this podcast, oh my gosh. Just dropped my mic. My <laughs> mic just fell off my stand. Oh no. That's how excited the mic was so excited. <laughs> just, the mic was like, Susan McClary, please come on the show. Oh my god, I would die. Um hold on, let me get my mic back. <laughs>